Hi, everybody. This is John Billingsley, a.k.a. Phil Flox of Star Trek Enterprise, and you are listening to the Sci-Fi Sisters podcast, the podcast to end all podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Sisters podcast. I'm your host, Tamia Harper, and today I'm joined by my sisters, Yvette Blackman-Tom. Hello. Sabrina Wood. Whoop, whoop. And Fran T. What's happening? But we're not alone, kids. We have a great, fabulous, wonderful guest with us. Somebody that, if I swear to God, if you've watched television since 1990, you know this man. I'm just going to give a little quick rundown of my history of some of my favorite shows where I first heard his lovely voice and saw his beautiful face. Let's start with NYPD Blue, The Practice, The Pretender, The X-Files, Stargate SG-1, Roswell, Cold Case, 24, True Blood, Turn, Washington Spies, come on now, Nip Tuck, (laughs) Grey's Anatomy, Scrubs, love Scrubs, The Mentalist, The Orville, The Gilmore Girls, Leverage, that was one of my favorite times I've ever seen you on television, Suits, Bones, Lucifer, Station 19, y'all getting the picture now? Mm -hmm. Don't forget the closer. The closer. Mm -hmm. This man has been on literally everything. I'm saving the best for last. He's also done a ton of movies, some with some special Star Trek alumni like Michael Dorn and Armin Shimmerman and Katie Sw- Kitty Swank and a lovely movie that Sabrina and I are both big fans of, Out of Time with Denzel Washington. Ooh. Love that movie. The sci-fi <laughs> classic, The Man from Earth, It's Become a Classic. Do you all know who I'm talking about yet? Okay, here's one more. He played Dr. Phlox on Star Trek Enterprise. We're talking about the man, the myth, the legend, John Billingsley, is in the house with us tonight. I'd like you to travel around in my life just introducing me to people. I can do that, baby. Like at the grocery store, the hardware store, just on the street, you know? That's great. The hype man. The hype man. (laughs) You left out all the crappy things I've done with that. That's a much longer list. We can talk about that. It's not that type of show. Uh, Okay. Hey, you you know how I love the internet movie database. And so, of course, uh, you know, researching the show. I pulled you up on that thing, John, and it was like 170 credits. Like, oh, my God. I'm an old man. (laughs) I was just as an actor. That was just as an actor. You're a working man is what you are. A working man. That's right. But, you know, folks, we have him here on the show because his most important role to me, I think the most important role is being on the board of the Hollywood Food Coalition and all the amazing work that you do for the Hollywood Food Coalition. So that's what we want to talk about today. I mean, obviously we want to talk about a lot of stuff. And yes, I do want, like, I do want enterprise I'm an open work, you know, but <laughs> I'm going to save it because the focus here is the Hollywood Food Coalition. So can you tell us how you got involved and, you know, a little yeah. bit of your journey and what Hollywood Food Coalition is about? 
Absolutely. The Hollywood Food Coalition, first I'll start with the organization and then I'll talk about how I got involved with it, has been around for a little under 40 years now. It started as street corner centric service for people experiencing homelessness. It evolved into a more elaborated soup kitchen, wonderful multi-course meals and a variety of other ancillary services, hats and shoes and socks and gloves and tents and sleeping bags and bus passes and laundry vouchers and access to other organizations that provided great services. I went in one day because I've always volunteered and I'd heard about this cool organization. My wife had suggested I stop by making a fruit salad, washing the dishes, and I just fell in love with it. I fell in love with the great vibe of the place, how warm and friendly everybody was, the amazing food and the terrific service they were providing to people in need. Um, I've been on a lot of boards and I've started theater companies and have some managerial experience. They, they were running the whole thing on about eight bucks. And I kind of thought, you know, I might have some thoughts if you'd be interested. And uh, flash forward five years, I was president of the board, which is just goes to show you, one, be careful what you wish for. And two, <laughs> anybody can become a board president. <laughs> um, I, 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 one of the things that I'm very proud of is that I think my wife and I both recognize that one of the things that we might want to do to expand the capacity of the organization was to recognize that food and all the different ways in which food can um, be an instrument to help people um, climb a ladder. You got to have a great meal every day. You got to have three great meals every day if you're going to get anything else accomplished. Anybody who doesn't you know, believe that, try going hungry for a few days. Mm -hmm. We recognize that a lot of great programs all over the city were doing wonderful things, but maybe didn't have robust food programs. So we started sh uh, sharing food we rescued. We now rescue almost 3 million pounds of food a year. We share it with about 150 other not-for-profits to help augment and buttress their meal programs. And we're trying to sit down with other groups to kind of figure out, hey, what can we do collectively to improve our capacity to help underserved and underprivileged populations that we cannot do alone? As a, for instance, there's simply not enough refrigeration. You collect food all over the place. You got to stash it someplace unless you can mm -hmm. put it immediately on somebody's table. There's not enough transportation. There's not enough storage space. We need a better uh, mechanism by which volunteers can be da -da 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 -da, called to the table to come and pick up food. A lot of that stuff can only work if other groups come to the table together. So a lot of what uh, attracted me to the organization was its name, the Hollywood Food Coalition. Mm -hmm. I'm a very passionate coalition builder and very passionate about what the nature of what we can only do as a, an agglomeration of groups. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the, you know, the long and the short of it. I was a board president. I'm now the co-chair of the development committee. And when you're ready, I'll start talking about what we're doing coming up that might be of interest to Star Trek fans. But I, I want to ask a question ready. you haven't asked me. Are you ready? I'm well, ready. Uh, can I? I just want to, I want to get into, a f just want to know how, like you, you have, you've broken it down into like four different things, like the, the oh, dinner, oh, the exchange, oh, the wellness and the building. Yeah. I kind of want to know what that all means because you generalized it, but it's so much more. Um, so I would, you know, if well, you can here, expand on that is, a little bit. This is the thing for me is that, you know, it, there, there are three values that we had when we, we started years ago. One is reliability, two is trust, three is compassion. Mm -hmm. If, if you're hungry, the knowledge that every night, seven nights a week, we haven't missed a night in 40 some years, that every night you're going to have a hot, really good meal and you have choice. You can choose between vegetarian, vegan or carnivore, carnivorean, that's what it is, <laughs> oh. options. 
That's if you, great. Yeah, if you have a place to go that feels that you can count on, out of the relationship that comes from that kind of trust, compassion, and reliability comes the capacity to say, can we also introduce you to these guys who run um, a drug and alcohol rehabilitation program? Or to these guys who might be interested in helping you, you know, find a job? Or to these guys who might be able to kind of point you towards a shelter bed? Food in that respect is sort of an instrumentality. We don't do everything. No one can do everything. Mm -hmm. We believe is that food is sort of the, like in Spider-Man, that's, that's the webbing. Yeah. So when we expanded to help share food with other communities, the gag was let us help you do what you already do really well by providing better food so that that food gives you the capacity to provide these other services with more dexterity, more intensity, more successfulness. It's the same premise that we've always had. Use food, not use it in a coarse way, but right. you know, provide food so as to kind of go Bali high, Bali high, mm -hmm. help people get other stuff done too. Right. That's sort of the overarching premise. And the same thing you touched on the four pillars, mm -hmm. the, the community dinner and it's community, community, community. Ultimately we want to be able to serve a sit down dinner with a menu so that when people come in, not only would they have a choice, but they will be valued as people instead of treated as, you know, as unfortunately the way we view people who have have suffered as 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 commodities that we have mm -hmm. to we have to take care of them but they're pe people are people yeah. you know and they they have every right to have the dignity and compassion that we would want for ourselves from that level though we think of of you know of care comes the the capacity to 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 help people you know climb a ladder that otherwise they might not be able to climb right mm -hmm. um, the wellness program right now we collaborate with UCLA Medical. Um, we have in the past vision and dental vans, so there's some immediate service that can be provided. When we have our own home, because right now we share a home uh, with a we're a secular organization, no religious test whatsoever. We're on the campus with the Salvation Army because that's where we were able to find kitchen space mm -hmm. and get a place to sit down. They they let us do our our shit, you know, no meddling. We ultimately need to have our own campus. Yeah. When we have our own campus, we're in the process of beginning to build, you know, to, to search, to find. We, we believe we've gotten some significant funding to make this possible and community support. We want to have it big enough so that we can bring those partner organizations to our campus so that it will be a one-stop shop for okay. people in need. Wow. But the meal program is, is the thing that pulls you in, you know. Okay. That's the thing. I mean, that's the reality is that people come for a great meal. They're probably not going to come necessarily because they want to try and get their driver's license replaced or they want to, you know, get some legal documents taken care of. They want to find out about a drug and alcohol rehabilitation program. They come for a great meal. Mm -hmm. We want to then have the ability to say, while you're here, hmm. come over here. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome, John. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. That's the shtick. We're partnering with a wonderful organization that, um, if people are interested, called Food for Soul, which is based in Italy. It's a very famous Italian chef who has what he calls the refectorio, refectory table, where uh -huh. the monks gather. Yeah. It's basically a communal dining conceit. And he created a refectorio program that's very similar to what I'm describing in a small town in Italy, and he's fanned that program out around the world. So he partners with organizations like ours all over the world. He's partnered with a group in New York, 
in San Francisco, we are going to be, we essentially are becoming their LA-based partner. Okay. So their expertise, their brand, their understanding of how to build this, I think is going to help us uh, take this next step. Nice. Yeah. And simultaneously, we'll be looking to elaborate and build the exchange program. We built a $100,000 walk-in refrigerator freezer this last year. We now need a, a larger warehouse because we're collecting almost 3 million pounds of food a year. Wow. And, wow. And, and forgive me, I can go on and on about this. But the other, th the other word that's really important to me is concierge. Concierge level service. If we partner with a not-for-profit, and this is something we have to keep building into and elaborating, we need to say to somebody, let's say they're, it's a, a shelter for battered women. We need to say, tell us, tell us how you're dealing with food. Do you have a kitchen? Do you have cooks? Do you have refrigeration? Do you know how to cook? Would you be able to use somebody who might come in and help you learn how to cook? Can we bring somebody in to, to do that? Tell us what kind of foods you need. Does it have to be prepared food? Does it have to be prepackaged food? Do you, can you mm. use fresh produce? Can you use? So it's not, you can't, because what happens with food banks, mm -hmm. food banks just, it's like, here, take it. Right. You yep. know? And it's, it's, it's the range of food is limited and the nature of the delivery system to individual organizations can be very narrow. We want to try and say in the partnership, let's work together to get you exactly what you need mm -hmm. to make the experience exactly what works for you so that you're providing the best food for your folks. Wow. That, so, that is, um, as a person who has been, like, I think I told you before, you know, I, I've been without food um in my lifetime so i know what it feels like to not have food and and not feel and to feel like less than because yeah. you have to ask people you know for a basic right so when you talk about how these people are treated um it hits me because i know that i, I had to get online to get food and i felt like you know less than you know but i was hungry so yeah. You have to do what you and, have to do. You know? in, in America, I mean, y'all, I'm sure know this, that, you know, I mean, it depends upon how you look at the statistics. Either one in five or one in four American children are food insecure, which yep. doesn't mean they're necessarily mm -hmm. going hungry, but it means they don't necessarily know what they're going to eat, yes. when they're going to eat, will it be enough, will it be mm -hmm. healthy? Yeah. I mean, to wake up in the morning with that set of questions, mm -hmm. we don't wake up with those questions. Yeah. If you don't wake up, I mean, you know, understand, you, you kind of almost, because I, I kind of, I, I never was, I never was food insecure, mm -hmm. but I was a poor actor for many years. Mm -hmm. There were definitely periods when it was like, hmm, what stores <laughs> can I go to to get free samples? Who's going to buy me a beer tonight? Where could I go to? If that's in your brain, you know, for me, that never left me. The knowledge that, you know, a lot of people have that only to the nth degree. And it, yeah. it, it, you can't get a lot done nope. in your no. life when, you know, you're worrying about basic, basic needs. Yeah. And let's not forget the areas, because we have them here, food deserts. Exactly. Where mm -hmm. they don't have, you know, they don't have a grocery store that they can go to and buy food for like we normally do, you know, that's, that's awful too. We, yeah. we, we have two areas here and both of them are in Norfolk that are food deserts. Yep. And you know, it's, it's, it's hard. It's hard. You know, people don't have cars. They got to walk to the store. There's no store to walk to, to get the food, you know, so that plays a lot into it also. Absolutely. Wow. No. And that's, 
you know, long long term, long range, you know, I mean, for me, the goal five or six years ago was I want this organization to survive. And secondarily, I wanted to expand its capacity so that people will become interested in it, give it money so it can build its staff, so it can continue to grow, continue to grow. I do believe that the nature of the way, and I think this is just generally true of not-for-profits, the nature of way, the way not-for-profits grow and have to think about their future is they have to think about what do we bring to the table that is innovative, interesting, that isn't being done elsewhere, that maybe we could, you know, introduce to other communities. When you look at the history of progressivism in America, you look at the New Deal, Mm -hmm. it emerged largely because New York was, you know, as other cities were too, but was a hotbed of innovation. Yep. And uh-huh. it's kind of somewhat dark time we're living in. I think it's really important for me as somebody who spent his entire life in cities as an actor to kind of turn around and say, I want to be involved in the laboratory that is the city to help grow ideas and to conceits about how to help people in need so that other communities might learn from them too. Mm-hmm. And just as I want to learn from what other communities are doing. Like I want to, you know, I talk about yeah. help and stealing. It's like, that's a great idea. Let me have that. Yep. Yeah. Well, the greater good. For the greater good. Oh my goodness. Let's well, stop. for the for the greater good was Trek Talks last year. Oof. <laughs> we yeah. raised some serious money, did we not? We made uh, eighty thousand bucks last year for a Hollywood Food Coalition. But you know, the other thing, because there are two other things that I kind of want to talk about that 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 mean the world to me. Absolutely. One, track itself, the nature of what track signifies and the nature of what track means. It's I don't believe that there's a, such a thing as a perfect world. You can't. But there's a nature of, of what it means to strive to be better. What it means to attempt to to transcend your limitations. That's what track stands for. And and I love the idea of kind of trying to create something that we can do every year that gets a lot of the track community together to get behind the concept of what we call trektivism, which Mm -hmm. is, you know, hey, it it doesn't happen without the work that we all put in in our communities to make the world a better place. That should be what animates track. So we had a wonderful uh, six hour, I think last year it was, this year it's eight hour um jerry lewis-esque telethon with all sorts of wonderful track celebrities behind the scenes folks producers writers directors and uh you know i was kind of the mc you guys were amazing thank you so much you kicked the show off with such a bang um, <laughs> it was I, fun I, it I would was. love to think that this becomes an institution and that we can partner eventually with Paramount and some other funders, not just to turn folks on to what we do here in Los Angeles. We're just one not-for-profit. Mm-hmm. But to turn people on to the idea of, oh, what can I do in my hometown? What does it mean to turn around and give back? That's what I think Star Trek should, should you guys do it, yeah. what Star Trek should be about. Like, you mm-hmm. know, turn your appreciation for what the show's about back into your own actions. Right. I think that is a great, great, great idea. And I know I, for one, when we did that, I mean, you know, we were just asked to help out with the telethon and we were glad to do it. But after we did it, John, we felt so good. I I mean, we were like, okay, this is like one of the best things we've ever done. We were so happy. And I watched the entire six hours. I did not leave. We were there. Every panel, they were all so great. We had so much fun, and just watching the yeah. money come in, and I, I was amazed at how much that I, you know, I didn't really know um, of the organization really, 
you know, you asked and like, we came. But um, <laughs> after we were watching all the tapes and what you're talking about tonight, I was absolutely amazed at how much work you all did, especially through the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the interesting thing was when the pandemic hit, you know, I mean, um, to me, it was like, okay, this is where you, you've got to, you know, life is weird and not-for-profit world is weird. Sometimes opportunities arise and you got to be willing to drive your car through it. Um, 2020 hit and, you know, a lot of the community was like, gulp, um, a lot of food sources have disappeared. And suddenly people were cognizant of the fact, oh, hunger, uh, that's a that's actually a big deal. And it was very apparent to me, I think, to a number of other people that a lot of money was going to have to come into the community. So at that time, it was like, guys, I think we need to open an exchange. I think we need to take all this food we're rescuing. I think we need to collect it there. I think we need to find more food sources. And I think we need to drive a fucking hole through, through you know, this is our this is our window to... Now, now, of course, you know, you create a, a bajillion administrative, logistical, you know, et cetera, problems. You're taking on a whole new functionality. I think everybody hates me for having done this, but <laughs> it is uh, an amazing, to me, extension of our brand, for lack of a better word. And it, to me, and I don't know that everybody in 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 our orbit fully has the elevator pitch yet, but to me, it's absolutely rooted in what we were always doing in terms of values mission and um a mission for and a vision for our city you know mm. so i i yeah it, perversely covid like you know save us <laughs> it didn't tell a lot of people <laughs> yeah so do you want to tell us what's on tap for this year uh, well, let's see. Some people who have were just beginning, because if you put the asks out too early, people kind of go, ah, call me later. Mm-hmm. So we're just beginning the asks right now. Um, let me see. Let me find my little list. Um, Are we having an meeting. exclusive? We're having a <laughs> meeting. You're going to get a little bit of an exclusive here. Ooh, so far, got the scoop. Brent Spiner. Brent Spiner. The Nah Visitor, Gates McFadden, Rod Roddenberry, John Delancey, Brannon Braga. That was those are people on mine. That's your list. That's your list. (laughs) There are ten of us on the on the committee, and we've divvied up a roster of about forty folks. Mm -hmm. Tomorrow we're gonna meet, we're gonna find out if some other folks have materialized. We'd love to get if you're listening, Patrick Stewart! Patrick Stewart! Sir Patrick, Patrick Stewart! And, Patrick and we know Stewart. you are. <laughs> and you are. Yes, we just found out that Whoopi will not be able to join us, which is unfortunate. But, unfortunate. Um, we've but got, we try. We're, we're going to keep trying. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I'll say this. Last year, one of the things that kind of was stunning to me is because this kind of came out because I was doing a, a, a show with the Trek geeks, Bill and Dan, who I know you know. And while we were gabbing, those guys, yeah, <laughs> those guys, they were they were talking about a, a, a similar thing they did with Jonathan Frakes to raise money for Feeding America. They made five grand just interviewing Jonathan Frakes. And I said, well, we could probably get other folks and raise money for the Hollywood Food Coalition. Want to try? And I just wrote a letter to everybody I knew, and they, you know, kind of joined in. And it was like everybody said yes. It was like, oh. oh. Everybody said yes. And David Livingston, you know, was has been a huge contributor. The guy directed more episodes of Star Trek than anybody in history. He's on the board. 
I, I recruited him for the board and he's been, you know, <laughs> godsend. So everybody said yes. It was like, oh my gosh, we got more Star Trek people than we can accommodate. What are we going to do? We're going to have to have three minute interviews. So this year we're kind of trying to do a little bit differently and say, okay, let's, let's do this in tranches. Let's ask, you know, this cluster, see what we got. And then, then if we need more, let's ask this cluster. Mm -hmm. So we're probably not going to have the full roster in place until, you know, if I was a betting man, okay. maybe somewhere around the 10th First, of December. Yeah. But that's still a month in advance. And, you know, as soon as we get the whole thing, believe me, it'll be, I mean, we're starting to kind of like toodly toot to toot already. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> toodly toot to tooting will get more intense. As it has to do. <laughs> Hashtag toodly toot to toot. I know that. I'm so glad this is really this is really cool too. I'll say this: this is I'm something I'm really proud of because I'm the chair of the development committee. I was the board president. We did this, and it kind of inspired other board members a little bit to say, "Hey, you know, this is a very specific community. This is not your at. This is not the, the these are not the folks who donate to the Hollywood Food Coalition. These are Star Trek fans. We don't know mm -hmm. anything about us." Another guy on our board said, you know, I could throw a concert because I know a lot of people in the music industry and a whole bunch of people would come to that who don't know anything about the Hollywood Food Coalition. We just did that last night and made $100,000. Wow. Get out of here. Oh, my yeah. God. And then another guy stepped forward. The, did you ever see those uh, silly Liberty, Liberty, Liberty commercials with the guy with the emu? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That guy <laughs> is a friend of ours, and he put together a night of improvisational comedy. With Jack McBriar from um, uh, Thirty Rock. And oh, Badgie, the the kind of the nerdy guy who was like, uh, yeah, he oh, plays yeah. he plays Badgie on uh, yeah. Lower Decks. Yep, on Star Trek <laughs> oh, Lower Decks. Yeah. yeah, him Flo from the oh uh, how Chester. awesome! So they did this great <laughs> oh, improv, improv improv night, and we we made eighty thousand dollars from that. Wow, that's so awesome! Three, I'm a challenge. Here's this challenge coming. This up is there. cool because if you're in development, the hardest thing is is like you know I've been on boards where you throw an event and it kills you. You throw a party, it costs mm -hmm. a fortune. Yeah. You're you're hitting your donors for the party, and then you can't hit them again at the end of the year because right. they've already donated to the party. Mm -hmm. For an organization to figure out, which is I think what we're trying to do, ways to tap a lot of different constituencies on an ongoing basis because mm -hmm. it's a great show without costing the organization a lot of money and a lot of manpower, yep. I feel very, as an administrator, very proud that we're going to generate $300,000 this year. That's and it awesome. didn't cost us practically a goddamn thing. That's wonderful. That's the way you do it. Yeah. Awesome. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, so now I'm like, like, hmm, wrestling. Hmm. Uh huh. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's the one. I'll be, I'll be defrocked as the, uh, the, uh, eventually as the head of the development committee because people will know. That's enough of that. <laughs> enough of that. Exactly. 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 Oh my gosh, John! So thank you. We're, we are. We haven't given people specific details about which day they should January be. January fourteen. January fourteen. Ten o'clock to six o'clock Pacific time. Go to trektalks.net. Mm -hmm. There are different platforms. YouTube's one of the platforms. We'll have three or so different platforms you can listen on. Live streamed. And if you want, go to trektalks.net and you can, or go to just go to YouTube. You can watch last year's event. That's right. It's still, it's still evergreen. That's right. It hasn't gone anywhere. It's there. It's, gone anywhere. it's there. Yeah. All in, in all its glory. 
Anthony <laughs> can give money anytime. HoFoCo.org is another place you can check us out, the Hollywood Food Coalition, at HoFoCo.org. Excuse me. That's the one. HoFoCo.org. And remember, it's Trek Trek Talks with an S. Dot net. Dot net. That kind of links up to the Trek Geeks. Yes, it does. It's a really wonderful. I mean, you guys are part of it now. It's a wonderful. It's it's uh, Bill and Dan, the wonderful Jay Stoby, John Champion from Roddenberry Podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm elated that Bonnie Gordon, the voice yes. of the computer, mm-hmm. yes. that fabulous entertainer, has joined us. Um, Amy Boitano, a mega fan, mega yes. donor, who's yes. hosted a marvelous party for us in Las Vegas. Okay. That was fun. <laughs> that fun. That's Amy and Simon. Earl Green, who is really the unsung hero, who makes the whole thing run on the day. He's got like a, you know, uh, an amazing compound in Arkansas. He was a television producer. And he just, he never like, you know, never not a, not a, a drop of sweat. Just like, boom, 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 sure boom. the show went seamlessly last mm-hmm. year. Like a miracle. Yeah. He's got all kinds of new gadgets this time. Yeah. I can't wait to see it. Yeah, I don't have anything to bring to the table other than fervor. That's the only <laughs> thing I have to offer. But you know what? You got to have a guy with fervor. You got well, to. And, you know, and those good looks, you know, it helps. Yes, thank you. Uh, well, <laughs> he's all blushing. <laughs> he's blushing. Oh, my God. Okay. Do we have, can we, do we have time to get in one enterprise question? You can ask me. I'm not going anywhere. It's your show. I'll stay all night. God knows. Bonnie said, went out there. Right. I said, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe 12. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how these ladies run their show. <laughs> I had I have had podcasts that lasted for three hours. There was oh. one guy in Ireland who was a, a little a little lisping guy who had obviously never seen the show, and I couldn't understand a word he said. It was out in five minutes. I was like, <laughs> so you know, I, I you never. The story the road is short for you. What what which was the show you were on there? The like, um <laughs> Enterprise with Scott Beck. I don't like what the conductor with us on that one. Um, what did you play then? What did you play? Uh, doctor, wow. oh, you're a doctor then? What, you're a doctor? what, what kind of doctor were you? Like, uh, just a regular space doctor, alien headed doctor? Oh, so very interesting. Like, oh, what are you doing? All right, thanks so much for being on. <laughs> like, <laughs> pleasure. Wow. Thank you, <laughs> Thank you sir. That was, that, was a, that was an odd one. Wow. <laughs> there, I've right. been on, I give good podcasts. I have been on so. <laughs> Many in part because it's like you know I want to talk about the Food Coalition, mm-hmm. and in part because I'm an actor and I'm a slut. You know, I'd go to yeah. the opening of an envelope. It's like I'll be on your podcast. Sure, I will. Well, I'm not mad at it. I'm not <laughs> mad at it. And uh, okay, so I'm doing a a, a rewatch of of Enterprise because yeah. I, it was not my favorite when it came out. Are like, you I, fast forwarding the shit I'm not in? Then I, I mean, yeah, basically. Me. How did you know? How did you know? What I did. Sabrina is the Enterprise nut. Okay. Of the sisters. Yeah. Okay. Let just Sabrina, just go to town. Just go ahead. Go ahead. You've been go so ahead, contained. I'm so proud of you. John, you don't know what I go through with these three. 
I get this. I get this. So are we going to announce officially that Tamia, what you're going to do about the rewatch of Enterprise? Are we oh. announcing it now? Am oh, I going to put you on the spot? Okay, fine. That means it might actually really happen then. Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna, doing I'm a gonna reluctant review, reluctant rewatch. Uh, 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 uh. No shade. No shade. It's it's what it is. It's a it's not it's it's a red like, okay. So look, I I I really didn't like Enterprise when it first came out, and it wasn't anything that you guys were doing or weren't doing. It was because my mindset was like, I don't want to go backwards. Like I'm already up in Deep Space Nine. Why do I want to go backwards? I was just at the time, I was did not want to watch it. I was I was closed I mean, off I'll, and closed minded. Yeah. And and that song. That mm. damn song mm. killed me. I mean, like I'm going through, I'm starting my night with TOS and then I move into TNG and then I move to Deep Space Nine and then there's Voyager and there are these grand, wonderful themes. And then I got an 80s rock ballad and and I swear to God, I wanted to kick somebody's dog every time I heard it. But now- I'll tell you a funny story. I, I, it's, it's a little bit funny and it's a little bit tragic. After 9-11, uh, like a few days after 9-11, I was, uh, you know, driving up to the studio, yeah. and, there, and there were a bunch of pickets outside. I thought, oh, shit, what what have we done? And how does it relate to 9-11? And how is Paramount implicated? And I was sure it had to have something to do with 9-11. You know, so it was like, ooh. And, and I get closer, and it's like it's it's like six or seven Star Trek bands going, we hate the song! We hate the song! <laughs> I was like, I'm not crazy about the song, but it's like, I think in the broader context of the world, right. this is not thing you want really? to be picketed about right now, but all right. Welcome to Star Trek fandom. Yep. yep. <laughs> I just want to say that I love the show from the song. <laughs> and I am the one that loved and well, I, let's put it this way. The song actually I love I the something else. You know, whatever everybody has to say about the song, I don't care. But the song got me through a really bad patch personally. And when I heard that song, you know, and I love the lyrics. And I tell you right now, you know, it is. They they show TOS and TNG and another, and I can I can lose any of the any of the rest of them. But at midnight, I turn on some Enterprise. Let me tell you, because I want to hear my song. I want to hear my song. <laughs> As somebody who does a lot of dog and pony shows at conventions, I can tell you that being able to kind of use the song uh, to my advantage as a bit of shtick uh, <laughs> has made me fun. I, I've I've. I can't remember that we, 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 Dom and I have changed the words a bajillion times. <laughs> a long time stealing that captain's chair. It's been a long time getting it from here to there. And <laughs> into the truck and home and now it's in my living room or whatever, you know. <laughs> hey, man, at midnight, not at gonna midnight we're all going to no be more. singing that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I have to say, though, that when I started, so I'm going to do this rewatch of of Enterprise because it's, you because know. Because I it's, keep talking about it. Because, yeah, because, you're because being, I have to. Because you're because, being bully ragged into it. I, I, just, I, I am. You know, you're whipped is what you're saying. Is that, uh, Look who every... I'm surrounded by. <laughs> wow. Of course I am. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, so um, and I heard the song the other day, and I was telling them, I was telling the sisters, it was actually comforting. Ah, like it see. was almost as comforting to hear, almost not close, not quite, almost as comforting to hear when I, as when I hear the Deep Space Nine 
Oh, wow. Um, it was, it almost felt like that because it had been so long since I'd heard it come on the air. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I knew that I might be ready. It, it, ha- it, has been, it has been weird in the sense that, you know, I mean, that was a show after it went off. I thought, well, no one's going to ever watch. That show was gone. You know, I was like, UPN is gone. This show is gone. I'm sorry. Excuse me. Have you heard of Star Trek? Well, but you have to go back in time. This was before streaming. True. And, right. And, yeah. right, and right. Brandon and Rick had been escorted off the lot by at gunpoint. <laughs> and the, the the movies were not, you know... I, I used to make the joke. It's like, I was on the show that killed the franchise. I was on the yes. show that killed I, the franchise. I remember you saying that, yes. So, you know, <laughs> the idea that now it's it's back on on a streaming service and that people are rediscovering it. And, and I, I have, you know, I mean, I have never, I'm, I'm not shy about anything. There are things I liked about it. There are things I didn't like about it. There are episodes that I thought were good. There are episodes it was like, oh, my God, I hate that episode. Mm-hmm. I, I always like me, but that's separate. You know, that's something else. <laughs> no, but you know what? Dr. Flox was definitely one of the best characters ever because – you had a lot of things to do as the doctor. And, you know, all the doctors are great in Star Trek. I love every single franchise's doctor, but you were like in the engine room. You you were dealing, you were dealing with mutants. Uh, I, I actually like, I, that was not my per, that was not my perception of it. But hence my my song, which I you probably have all heard. But I used to say, I sing I used to sing this to irritate Dominic because I was like number seven on the call sheet. I was never on the bridge. You know, they didn't call me up like McCoy. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I had tons of time off. So I, I, I wrote a little song. Day off, day off. Six days <laughs> off and the checks still come. <laughs> Character actor in the sun. Six days off and the checks still come. He used to sing that to irritate Dominic, especially if he was in the space suit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. We had, you had one of the best, you know, sick days, though. Your sick day was cool. Uh, I wish they'd gone a little farther. This was my fundamental, to be honest with you, not objection, but this was sort of my disappointment with the show, was when we first okay. premiered, I was like, I leached people, you know? Yes, I, I, was like, I, want, people. I wanted to stay, like, completely in that ballpark. I just wanted to, like, leech people and do, like, weird <laughs> shit and, like, I'm going to rub you with goo and... You know, it's like, and I wish they kind of stuck with more of that kind of concept. It's like we're scared of the transporter and the weapons malfunction and mm-hmm. we bicker and it's like, you know, people are scared. To me, the whole point of going back in time was, and this is generally my thought about Star Trek, it's like, it interests me, some of the shows that we could tell, some of the stories we could tell, that do begin to question, how did we get from where yes. we are now, yeah. when we can't even fucking talk to each other. Right. right. A place where we can work together. Right. I think those stories are worth telling in the Star Trek universe. I, I, I love that part of it. I, I, I love the whole yeah. theory of how they started the transporter. That was one of my favorite episodes. Well, this was this is an illustration to me where I kind of wish they'd gone a little farther with that premise of it being like the first time and what's mm-hmm. going to happen. And there was an early episode, and I used to kind of steal a peek at the first drafts of the scripts, which we were not allowed to look at. The actors, and I understood this, the producers did not want actors calling them up saying, hey, I'm not even in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't want any of that shit. But I used to kind of peek at the first draft in the hair trailer because some episodes I was off. And if I was off back then when I was younger and more ambitious, I'd try and get work on other shows. So I read the first draft, and this was an early episode. Somebody beams down to the planet, you know, red shirt. They're beamed back up, and their ass is where their head should be. It's like, oh, my God, oh, my God. 
which I thought was great. That's awesome. But then when I get the final you know, shooting script, it's like he's being back up and he's got a twig sticking out of his ear. Oh, dear. And Dr. Flux will just clip that off. It's like, aww. And you can see the network hands on that. You can't have yeah. a man's ass where his head is. I've got my last on Star Trek. Yeah. That's where I kind of felt like I, I wish they'd kind of, you know, stuck to their guns a little bit. But mm-hmm. at so one man's taste. Yeah. I would have well, liked to have seen that. I, Me I too. I know. I was always pitching ideas to them that were clearly far too outré for them. It was like, <laughs> I don't think so, John. How about they pick up a ship of Denobulans? Everybody looks like John Billingsley, and they're all horrible slobs. And all they want to do is procreate and eat. And they leave their dirty <laughs> clothes all over the floor, and they don't know how to use the toilet facilities. And it's like, I hate Denobulans. <laughs> like they just looked at me blankly. Like, blank. Why, blank why would we ever do that? That's one of the things I loved about Doctor Flox. Though, that, uh, you know, he was uh, he was a randy fellow. He was randy. I know. <laughs> and I was, I was the first why. gay. I was the first gay character. People don't know this. That's true, because Dr. Flux didn't care, right? And he had three wives, mm-hmm. and each of those wives had three husbands. Mm-hmm. And in the episode of Night in Sick Bay, I was clearly trying to indicate with my eyebrows that we got it on, like, you know, I got it on with the husbands, and I got it on with the wives. Ah, it, <laughs> it wasn't on the lines, but I was trying to, like, you know, like, do the eyebrows. You're trying to nudge, nudge, wink, wink it. Yeah, I don't know. I, I got. Yeah, I don't know if that translates. I've heard, talked to people who said, that's what I thought. It's Me like, too. Yeah. <laughs> everybody. <laughs> I think it clearly translates. So I'm yeah. giving it a, I'm giving it a fresh watch and I'm loving it these days. And You are. How far into it are you? Yeah, like six episodes. Okay, all right. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, the second season has its its long years. It's, uh, it dips. Some episodes are good. I'd skip right over the episode where Padma Lakshi and uh, Connor go diving around in mud bottles. That was like, well, that was a stinker. <laughs> Padma Lakshi is a very good cook. I don't even okay, know. I believe that. But she is not. <laughs> she is not a particularly fine actor. Oh. <laughs> well, she's pretty. This though. is a second second she's podcast I've on where I've made fun of Padma Lakshi. I can't do that because I, I, I have I a really, thing now. I, well, I've always wanted to like have one of Padma Lakshi's meals because like they look scrumptious and they are right insulting her, her thespian, <laughs> her thespian's lesbian ability. <laughs> Was that the princess? <laughs> exactly, the, well, the princess. <laughs> The stuck-up, snooty princess who, like, you know, and poor Connor was like, I don't think oh we... Oh, my God. That was, oh. a, that was a long episode. That yeah, was that was the one that reminded me of the, um, of the just, TNG episode. Little, yeah. Right? Our, our ratings like were not good. Episode. When that one aired, it was like we were down... I knew the names of everybody who watched after that. There were only seven <laughs> people. <laughs> Listen, the two guys around the corner. All right, well, let's skip the... I'm just, this is, this is for you, to me. Just skip over that one. Just skip okay, over Okay, thank you. I have your permission, and I'm probably going to do it. You even have my permission. <laughs> right. Oh, damn. <laughs> me too. Now oh, I have to, probably the now I have to go and look that. at that episode. I have to go and look at that episode. Yeah, I okay. know, right? Yeah. yeah. I have to. It wouldn't be they, worth um, it. They were showing Enterprise on uh, Paramount Live Live. And I was looking at it, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is, you know, real good. Because, you know, uh, Anthony Montgomery was prominent, and, you know, in the first season. I'm like, this is this is real good. I, you know, I really like it. And I didn't even mind, didn't mind the theme song. You know, I didn't mind it. 
So that says a lot when you don't mind that theme song. Mm-hmm. Yes, we yeah, we did do that. Mm-hmm. I, I never really entirely understood the people who's the theme song objection because like just fast forward through the theme song. You don't have to listen to the theme song, but I, I couldn't. We couldn't fast forward then. We can't. We can't fast forward then. Now we can. Skip. Yeah, yeah. But I just let it play. You know, because I was doing stuff and I was still. You know, I was like, I'm not. We had, know, so I just kind of listened. Kivo back then. I didn't have TiVo back then. I didn't need to. No, 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 Forgot there was a TiVo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, John, I want to tell you, and this is sincere, you were my favorite character on that show. I loved the way you acted, and it seemed like everything, you know, you just you just brighten up the whole episode, I think, because I think you... Your personality came through. Oh, uh, well, that's what I thought. I, I think it's also always, I mean, you know, I mean, it, the Vulcans obviously and the Klingons are, are, are kind of, you know, let's face it, they're just downers. Um, <laughs> yeah. generally, generally speaking, though, I think the alien, the alien species have the capacity to kind of, you know, do a couple of things. One is their, their whole point is they're looking at human foibles from a very different perspective. Right. And that, mm-hmm. that gives you the capacity, regardless of the actor, to, to inject humor and um, surprise into a show. So to a certain extent, I was the beneficiary of being the character who got to look at people and say, I don't understand why they're not just having sex out in the open. Why, why do they not do <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, you can't lose. You're the actor, you get to talk about that shit. I mean, you just can't lose. <laughs> but I, I, I also thought that you all did the best mirror episode. You of all, I, 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 thought I, I, you, I didn't you like the mirror episodes. I didn't like no? the mirror episodes. Well, the I like it because I, 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 I missed the payoff. I just kind of felt like you know, for a two-parter, and I think they would have returned to that universe if oh, we yeah. had, had survived. Yeah. But I just kind of felt mm-hmm. in the end, it was like, I'm not quite sure what the point of it was, you know? Not that every episode But Hoshi was the queen. That was the point. Yeah, the point was, was Hoshi point. was the emperor. That that was I don't know if that was the point. point. That was the end. I don't know if it was the point. I mean... That was it, the point for us. Yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. They would have made it through. I and you it. were, right, deliciously right. evil. Well, I liked, that, I liked that part, because to me, it was like, well, Dr. Flox is joyful in both universes. Yeah. It's like he's a joyful vivisectionist in this universe. So, <laughs> he really is. But he's still joyful. He's All still the joyful. other characters were kind of bummed out. It was like, Dr. Flox was still having a good time. Still yes, he was. <laughs> people I, know. I like to think that all the Dr. Floxes and all the various metaverses are all having a good time. Every one of them. Yeah. For me, in all candor, I mean, you know, I've I've been an actor for many, many years, and and frequently... On television, I play serial killers and child molesters and, you know, like <laughs> lunatics and nut jobs. And to actually play a guy who's so much closer to my actual personality. I mean, on one level, Dr. Flox was kind of the highlight of my career because it was like, oh, well, I'm more like him mm-hmm. than, than all these other. Like, well, thank goodness. It, it's hard to kind of I figure know, right? out. You know, 
it's hard to figure out how to play a child molester. I don't even like children, much less do I want to molest them. So it's like, <laughs> I don't want to enter into that headspace. <laughs> okay, so that's our show, kids. <laughs> right. <laughs> I work blue, by the way. Did I say that? <laughs> no. No, really? No. <laughs> no. We saw you on the cruise. Oh, you, there you go. Uh, <laughs> are you coming back? <laughs> Are you uh, coming back on the cruise? Well, they invited on the cruise. What happened on the cruise stays on the cruise. They invited me, and I got a contract and everything, but I haven't heard a peep. So I asked uh, Gary, a guy who reps me for some some things, it's like, Mm -hmm. could you find out whether or not have they changed their mind? Because usually it's like, you know, they want you to do this bit of social media and that bit of that, and they give you this money now. So to not have heard anything after signing the contract last February is kind of makes me feel like, did we lose something in translation? I hope I'm coming back because I had a blast. Well, yeah. you better make sure it happens because, like, at least this sci-fi sister wants to be able to meet you, and I'm going this time. So come on well, now. I, I'm, I'm really, I'm also hoping the missus will come, although she won't. That'd be so cool. Nice. She won't let me let my hair down quite as much as she used to. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> He's always tisk tisking from the back. Like, uh, uh, gee, no, I'll, I'll tell you, that I, people have heard all these stories a bajillion times, but I can't make up lies, so I have to tell the same old stories again and again. She went to a, an early convention. Um, so, somewhat, she does not believe that this actually is the way it happened, but she was not really keen on going. So she stood in the back, one of my little dog and pony show, and she said, well, well, do not call on me. And do not, I don't want to be introduced. Just, I'm just, so I was like, fine, fine, won't say a word. So, you know, dog and pony, dog and pony. And I usually tell a story about how Jolene was the gassiest person on Enterprise and possibly the gassiest person in the history of Star Trek. Oh, my God. Was around, walk around eating cheese. It was like, Jolene, put that cheese down. And from the very back of the auditorium, I hear my wife saying, pot calling the kettle black. It's like, <laughs> hello. I'd like you to meet the missus. And from that point on, she was on stage with me at every damned convention I ever appeared at. We had a doubles act. We did a vaudeville. We had a blast together. I love that. Sadly, she has not been on the circuit for a while. So uh, I think she's forgotten what it's like to, uh, you know, let her hair down. So I want her to to come. I want her to come, too. Oh, I hope she comes. I I hope she comes. I hope I come. (laughs) Well, well, if you I'm do come, we got to have some cocktails, John. Absolutely. Yes. Well, yes. that's the other thing, is that if you're a guest, they give you the drink ticket. The oh. drink ticket. Drink ticket. Oh. <laughs> it's quite the prized commodity on that cruise, I found I'm out. sure it is. It is indeed. <laughs> that's indeed. okay. Fran and I are going to have the um, the fancy drinks that everybody gets jealous of that, without the alcohol in them. Oh, my yeah. God. It's so beautiful. I have the fancy Sabrina was telling me about that. I have the fancy drinks with the alcohol. When you've got the drink ticket, it's like, oh, Brandy Alexander, please. <laughs> They're beautiful and they taste good. Ooh, the so. ones with, you know, the without the alcohol. Oh, they, I, they I, taste I'll, good. I'll have to take your word for that. I don't yeah. Know. <laughs> I switched Sabrina. over just because her drink was so much prettier than mine. I had to get one. Really? I want to make sure that we get out all the enterprise stuff that you need to get out before we wrap this up, baby. 
John, I just love that show. And I think one of the things I really loved about it was that your doctor um, just seemed to butt up against a lot of ethical dilemmas. I think you really had the most of any of the of the doctors. I don't know. It was, you know, I mean, you had that whole one with the mink where you were like, yeah, I, I wasn't sure. I, I wasn't sure I made the right ethical decision with that one, to be honest. Yeah, with that you. was that was the whole point. I mean, I was sort of like, I, yeah. I'm with Archer. Wait, wait, no. Well, <laughs> yeah, I don't that know was what a say here. Yeah, that was a that was a strange love hate episode for me because it was the first episode I got in season one, Dear Doctor, mm-hmm. where you really learned a bit about who the guy was, his his culture, yada yada, where he's from, blah blah blah. I had a love interest, Ensign Cutler, mm-hmm. all that. Yes. Was great. The story about one dominant species on a planet with a so-called inferior species or a, a, a species that had been turned into toadies. And the doctor says, well, you know, this superior highfalutin species has a fatal disease. I could cure it, but I'm not going to because that'll give the toadies a chance to not be toadies anymore. It was like, but, uh, I, you know, that was a, that was a of all the ones that I've talked about down the years, that's the one that I, the other thing that I sometimes kind of had a little bit of an issue with was the nature of what season three was about in the post nine 11 world. Uh-huh. Yeah. I kind yeah. of felt like it was imperialistic mm-hmm. and kind of uh, posited that the ends do justify the means, which is like, to me, it was like, this isn't 24, this is Star Trek. Right. Uh-huh. So I had some individual episodes I thought were quite good mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. that season kind of ratcheted up the tension. We were on a quest. We had to succeed. Nothing could get in our way. So even the standalone episodes had an element of like, you know, come on, come on, come on, that was maybe missing from the show. But I have to say the idea that it was like, you know, a bunch of insects attacked us and we got to go get those insects. Mm -hmm. Turned out at the end that the insects themselves were kind of like, you know, it became a little bit more of a you know, elaborated conceit than, than I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. But I, I had some hard days on the set during seasons. Really? really? Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. There's an episode where Scott, I mean, this, he doesn't write him. We don't write him. We just act. Right. There's an episode where Archer is going to like throw a guy out the airlock if he doesn't get him what he yeah. wants. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I just don't think that's, you know, I just you get, I mean, this was like, you know, this was during Iraq war, Dick mm-hmm. Cheney, you know, this, this, it, it, you had to consider it in the, t- in the time yeah. uh-huh. it was being produced. And I just thought it fed into a kind of a jingoism in America that was like distasteful and problematic. Yeah. But, you know, mm-hmm. when you watch it now, it's been interesting to talk about it in the context and it being uncomfortable. And I can understand exactly what you're saying. When you watch it now and you're removed from all of that now and you watch it, I think that's one of the most interesting arcs that Arch's arc in that that mm-hmm. year was one where you, you look at a person like this is a, this is a captain that's been given this impossible mission. Mm-hmm. You know, everything is riding on this. He's got so much pressure and he is making some really bad questionable decision mm-hmm. and i love that they they actually addressed it where he had to think about what it cost him to get that mission accomplished you know to, to do what he was asked to do like and he's ep- like, i lost myself the episode similitude i thought was an episode mm. that, that, that was great for that very reason you know he was yes. he was incredibly conflicted about the decision he had to make but he had to make a decision for the good of the of the mission right. but it it stopped short of torture yeah 
And that's that was the only thing is like I, I and maybe you're right. If I watch it now, I don't view it within the same. I don't see it, see it through the same lens. Mm-hmm. But this was back when Abu Ghraib was was yes. happening. And it's like, you know, when we had people in our politics who were saying it's okay to torture, yeah. you know, if there are no moral guardrails, it's like I want Star Trek to be a moral guardrail. In that instance, I didn't think it was. Yeah. But, but I have to say, I have not gone back and watched the episodes recently, so it may very well I would come at it with a, with a much more uh, generous uh, perspective. Well, I think it's... That's what Star Trek is. Morality tales. It's always been morality tales. Well, so that, why go away from in it? In that instance, to me, it was like, I didn't think that was... Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. you know, I gotta so say, why... Manny Cotto, who wrote that episode and wrote so many of the best episodes in the last two seasons, mm-hmm. is a fascinating and really smart and really interesting guy, and I like yeah. him a lot. Yeah. He came from Cuba. And, you know, he has a perspective on, on what, for lack of a better word, I'll call national defense mm-hmm. that is, mm-hmm. that is more to the right of the usual Star Trek writer. And in other respects, he wrote the episode that I thought was a wonderful version of the Palestinian Israeli issue in which he was basically saying, you're all fucking insane to take, mm-hmm. you know, this, this, you know, what could be resolved if you looked at it not from a prism of religion, but you looked at it from a prism of land and equity and sharing and yada, yada. So sometimes I thought, oh, love it. I love the fact you're taking on some of this tough stuff. But in that one respect, I kind of felt like his his um, militaristic side, to me, sure. was like, it's a hard swallow for me. And then he brought me on on 24, and I talked to him more. Of course, yeah. that didn't stop me from doing 24. So what am I? <laughs> you did some good work on 24. Yeah, yeah but I thought in that, in, staying with that episode, I thought you had one of the best scenes ever in that one when you realized that what you thought, that he was he was only going to last so long, and then you were oh. like, oh, my God, I'm wrong. Yeah. You know, and then you had to tell yeah. him that. He's going to survive, uh, well, and you're going to have to kill him. Now that, I, was, I was like, "Oh that my was, that god!" That was quite possibly my favorite episode of the series in terms of really, like, yeah. That's well, because favorite. so much happened yeah. in that episode. You know, I mean, that was the episode in which Jolene le- learns that she actually is kind of in love with Trip through right. the relationship the, that the the clone wants to have with mm-hmm. her, which I thought was a great way to. I mean, you have to accept the fact that you know. They're like giving each other naked massage at the beginning, and somehow they don't like. Thank you. Know. you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Nothing's going on. We're just taking. You know. I'm just, just saying. Yeah. I mean, the whole crew is giving each other naked, make naked massages. I wasn't in on any of that. I wasn't in on any of that. Yeah, you got. One I was too. naked. I you was got naked. one too, John. I, na- I got a naked massage. Oh well, Jolene was in Palm Far. That's why <laughs> I didn't want to read all that. Jolene was in Palm Far. That's why I didn't want to eat it. Yeah, I, we were like locked in the in the contamination chamber together. It's like, Jolene, stop eating cheese. I'm Everything happened in that damn decontamination chamber. I know. Yeah, it's it like the really, place, boy. There was a it's lot like, of action It's, it's a 20-whatever-the-fucking-century. Can't you have, like, I mean, boy and girl, like, decontamination chambers? It's like, really? Hey, it's a, it, no, like a, we've gotten past that all, you yeah. know? Uh, <laughs> you gone past sex, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we were a pervy crew, really. Yeah, y'all were. Yeah, Listen, my favorite, dogs. 
My favorite decontamination scene is when Hoshi broke the code and walked out of there and you all had to go chase her down. Wish she was contaminated with something and Hoshi they realized that Hoshi could break any code on this ship. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember yes, that. Hoshi. I don't remember that. Hoshi was a badass. Hoshi is a badass. Yeah. Hoshi was a badass, man. She's my other favorite character and I loved her little arc too, but and I liked the relationship that you had with her in the show. I know. I I like that too, and that's something they started out right out of the gate with and I was very happy about that. Yeah. Yes. working with Hoshi. Although I really liked working with everybody. I mean, it was really nice. I thought it was a good cast. It was a nice group of folks. I, I, I you know, I don't, I don't know. What the, I think the writers had a harder time figuring out what. To, I mean, obviously they had a harder time figuring out what to do with Anthony. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, maybe to a to a mm-hmm. little bit of an extent. I think they were they weren't entirely sure what to do with Dominic after a certain point. Um, mm-hmm. In terms of like where where are these where are these guys going? You know? Uh huh. Um, I, if it comes to that, I'm not entirely sure they quite, you know, if the show had lasted, I, I was like, what do you think? It's the doctor have a, like a development, you know, like what's <laughs> not quite sure anything's happening with the guy, but right. I don't know. I was sad that huh. the woman who played MC, MC Cutler, Kelly Waymeyer passed away. Yeah. She was yeah. a lovely actress and a, just a gem of a person. And, uh, and I, I was, that was- I would have bet my bottom dollar that she would have been, would have become, if she'd been interested, a series regular. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. She was good. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Well, guys, do we have so any more? Of... Yes, we do. I have, have a question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just want to ask him, what, do you, do you watch uh, the new track? And if you do, what do you think of it? Um, I, I, Started watching Discovery, and I liked aspects of it, but I stopped not because I like was like I'm not a Klingon fan. I'll be honest with you, I've never been a huge fan, particularly the modern Klingons. The old Klingons, the original series, they talked like us, and it was like you know la 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 la. Now the Klingons, it's like and it takes forever to get a fucking scene done. It's like (laughs) speed it up. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is all your fault, Dr. Floth. You're the one that made these mutants. I only fixed their heads. I didn't, I didn't like, I didn't make them all start talking like they were like, you know, had oranges stuck in their mouths. (laughs) Anyway, I thought Discovery was like, I got, I was kind of bored with the Klingons and I thought, oh, it's going to be a lot more Klingon. Sorry for all you guys who love the Klingons. I got a lot. You just got to go to season two though. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I may. And I, I watched a couple of the lower decks, which I thought were cute. Mostly what it is, is that um, I don't know if you can tell. I like to read. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's the thing that gives me the most joy. So I'm very sparing on how much television I'll watch. I don't watch a ton. Um, Read the Star Trek books? No. No, I wasn't really a, I, I don't, I don't take this the wrong way. It's not that I don't, I, I mean, obviously, obviously. That's an inside joke here. I, oh, yeah, it was? It was a dig at a vet. Oh, it was a dig at a vet. <laughs> Do you not I read, read them all? I read them all. You read them all? I thought well, it was the question was a dig at a vet, and the answer was a dig at Fran. Yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> okay. It's a dig at both of you. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. I read them all. She reads none of them. That was, a, okay. that was really skillfully done, Sabrina. Very good, Sabrina. Say. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Sabrina got the double tap on that one. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. Well, I bought, I bought the Discovery book with the, the Discovery one with... Uh, um, Sonequa and David, you know, where their characters, that year that they were off, and it didn't hold my interest. And I love to read, and I'm like, I can't read this. I just... 
Am I in any one. of the books other than in a purely ancillary capacity? Yes, you are. You're in a lot of books. Of Do I, oh, really? Yeah? Okay. Mm-hmm. A lot of the, all like... the enterprise books. Okay. Right. All right. All right. That's good to know. Yeah. That's good. Dr. Fenn's character grows. Do I have any sex in the books? Is there any... Yes. <laughs> well, they don't. They don't really do sex in the. Um, oh. They do. I mean, people have sex, of course, but it's not. You know, they're family That's books, so it doesn't get graphic books. or anything. Yeah, I see. yeah there's no mad denobling. So between and, chapter eight and chapter nine, it's inferred that characters. Right. It's all in. Most of it is inferred. Yeah, yeah they inferred. don't get like all of those hot decontamination chambers. <laughs> you got to go to fan fanfic now. Fanfic, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. That's <laughs> We know who's featuring on fanfic. Oh, I mean. you're in you're in the fanfic too. <laughs> really? Sir. really? All right. <laughs> this is my idea for a series. It's old fat flocks, where the episode begin every episode begins with old fat shit noise. Back in the day when I was a doctor on Enterprise, <laughs> oh, she's crazy. Crazy things happened. And then in flashback, you hear the flashback music. <laughs> and all these young actors would run around in their underpants. And then at the end of the episode, it would go, and it'd be like, well, there you go. Stay tuned next week for another fascinating episode of Old Fat Flots. <laughs> and I, I would like work half a day. I'd be number one on the call sheet. Okay, number one. I'd clean up. There you go. Uh, <laughs> that so hard, be the You'll be surprised off. to hear that nobody is rushing to make that show. I <laughs> I got two dollars to put into back that <laughs> show. <laughs> Thank you, appreciate let's get, it. Let's get a let's get a um. Uh, what is that? What are those I'll things called? Petition going. Get a petition. Right. <laughs> yeah. Get a GoFundMe campaign. A GoFundMe Paramount page. Would be, Paramount would be very puzzled. It's another letter saying they want to see old fat flocks. Where are these coming from? <laughs> old fat, old fat flocks. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna use that in a meeting tomorrow, John. Oh, fabulous. Well, yeah. I say, I've only got 10 stories and I tell them on every podcast. And now people are like, oh, God, here he is with the old fat flocks shit again. Well, maybe our listeners maybe not have heard that. So it'll be great. All right. Good. Good. Well, I usually, so, I usually like to spend a little time talking about the worst things I've ever done on television, but we don't have time for that. So next, next time. Next time. I love it. Well, guys, okay, I'm going to rein us in because right. I think we could honestly really sit here and talk for the rest of the night and, and it would be lovely and it would be fun, but I have to go to bed at some point. And I have to eat Save dinner. it for the cruise. Save right. it for the cruise. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys so much, both for having me on, for the wonderful support you're giving to Hollywood Food Coalition through your support of Track Talks 2. I know that uh, Yvette is is – represents you all and so um thank you guys it means the world to us it really does thank well, you thank you it's our pleasure it's truly our pleasure thank yeah. you and we're excited to be doing it trek talks too again folks january 14th coming up from 10 to 6 right yeah. pacific, pacific time. that's pacific, pacific time, time. Pacific time right? 10 to 6 yeah. pacific time yeah. and um so you know if you want to have any thoughts folks about Trek Talks too about Hollywood Food Coalition, about fat ass Dr. Flox. Old fat else. Flox. <laughs> fat ass Dr. Flox. That that's, 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 that's not euphonious. Old <laughs> fat Flox is euphonious. I did not have enough <laughs> fat alliteration. Ass Dr. Flox. There was not enough course. alliteration in that. Sorry. 
I'm sorry. I, like I didn't mean to disappoint. Ass flocks. That's more of a kind of like the urban version of. Uh, That's right. Badass flocks. I'm sorry. Read the room. Just, read the room. Right? I know, right? I'm like, says the girl from DC. Fat ass flocks, man. Fat ass flocks. Here he comes. Here's old fat ass flocks. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> now you're getting it. The, the credit crawl would be him entering frame. It would take like a minute and a half. Here he comes. Here he comes. Come on. Jesus. Move it, fat ass. We are going to get so many letters. Oh, my God. <laughs> Y'all, please don't write us about that. It's going to take ass, 24 okay? hours to edit this thing. Dr. Just understand, sisters. Just understand the colloquialism of my DC language, okay? Don't write, don't write me. Uh, uh, <laughs> I succeeded in bringing another podcast down into the gut. <laughs> yeah, like downhill. <laughs> oh, God. Yvette. Will you please tell people? I really don't want them to know now. Tell people where they can reach us. <laughs> you can find us at sci fi sisters.com. That's S Y F Y S I S T A S.com. Join us on the mothership. That's M U T H A S H I P. And the Sci Fi Sisters Book Club, both on Facebook. Download the Trek Geeks Network app where you can find us and our family of podcasts on the Trek Geeks Network, on Instagram, sci-fi.sisters. And we are also on the Twitter, at Sci-Fi Sisters. Become a patron of Sci-Fi Sisters today at patreon.com forward slash Sci-Fi Sisters. After listening to this podcast, please rate us and write a review. We may just read it on an upcoming episode. And of course, we got to shout out the baddest engineer in all the universes and in any galaxy. That's Dose the Anonymous One. He's responsible for all the music you hear on our show and all the production services. And so if you need help with your podcast, or if you just need some music or a badass sound engineer, look him up on Instagram at Dose underscore the Anonymous underscore one. Okay, y'all, we're out. Peace, love, and hair grease. See you later. Toodles.